tracking with a long time, but now I actually get at least screen to screen. Tommy Miller, Pastor Tommy Miller, welcome uh, to Perspectives with Catherine Toon. Thank you so, so much. It's an honor. We've been following you for a long time as well. The uh, the content, the revelation that you're releasing to our community uh, is absolutely invaluable. So, so thank you for the, the integrity, um, obviously being willing to pay the price. Um, I, I see generations coming after you that are going to get to walk in what you fought for for free. So it's uh, it's an honor to be here with you and insanely valuable to what generations to come are going to experience. Well, thank you. Wow, that is so huge. You know, part of our recompense is just seeing people following after that can go further, farther, faster with so much more freedom because you pushed through what you had to push through. And that's part of our reward and our recompense to see that in our children, but also just in our spheres of influence. So that is really, uh, that's gorgeous. Thank you so much. That blesses me. So, well, Tommy, can, can I call you Tommy? I did, actually didn't even ask, but I kind of, by assumed. all means. Okay. <laughs> because yeah. you're so, you're so authentic. Uh, so why don't you share a little bit? We talked about maybe sharing a little bit of your story. It's, it's, there's a lot there. So feel free, however that is. And then we'll kind of roll into some of the things that God is showing you and what you're up to and all of that. Sure. Thank you. Um, so I always uh, start with the, the highlight of my resume. The highlight of my resume is the woman that I married. Uh, her name is Shanda Miller. She is a best-selling author. Uh, she wrote the book, God, I Forgive You. And uh, if anyone has trauma in their past, oftentimes um, God gets the blame for that trauma, even though usually it's just bad people making bad decisions. But um, no matter who you have offense toward, your offense towards them keeps you in bondage. So um, my wife has done a tremendous job at recovering from anger with God, and she wrote a book about it. It's it's remarkable. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. You need to get it. Just yes, Miss Catherine read it, which is an absolute honor. Thank you so much for that. She's and mm -hmm. <clears throat> she is. She is uh, right now. She's working towards her master's degree in counseling. Um, she graduated summa cum laude, or excuse me, magna cum laude, um, top of her class, and just got her master's thesis back with a ninety-seven percent. She's she's a whiz. So she's definitely the better half of of who the Millers are, but. We, um, we're a miracle. Like the, the reason we're so passionate about this gospel of new life and the new creation gospel is because we both desperately needed to become new creations. Um, we met in a gentleman's club where I was actually taking a friend of mine who had been caught cheating on his wife and needed to get out of the house. So I took him to, you know, the only reasonable place that you take a friend like that. And, um, ended up meeting my wife at the, the worst time of her life. She was she was actually dancing in that gentleman's club after having a, a terrible fall from abusive religion. She was in full legalism and uh, legalism did what legalism does and it failed her um, yeah. because she could never satisfy it. Yeah. So she went completely in the other direction. Mm. So um, the, the way that we got here was uh, we were evangelized by our 11-year-old son. He 
met Jesus and he came home and told us that we desperately needed him as well. And we were in the middle of um, divorce proceedings. We were getting ready to end our marriage. Um, we, we had left the adult um, adult club scene, but the the lifestyle followed us into our home. We, we couldn't figure out how to be a functioning family. So my 11-year-old son comes in, you know, sporting Jesus for the first time. And he says, uh, if you don't take me to church, I'm going to move in with my biological dad. So um, I was threatened into the gospel. <laughs> By your 11-year-old. It's so perfect. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Catherine, what was amazing, though, is like he's not not to be stereotypical, but mm -hmm. he's a redhead. Right. And he he is he is full of wit and he is full of, um, I don't know, temper mm -hmm. and the moment he met Jesus, he came back and he had respect and integrity and and he was calm. And I was like, what, whatever happened to this kid? I mean, I was, I don't know, in my mid twenties, whatever happened to this kid needs to happen to me and his mom. And, and that's what happened. Honestly, he, he drugged me to church. Um, and the first time I was ever there within four bars of the opening worship song, I was completely devastated. Like, reduced to a a blubbering pile of tears because it was the first time that I'd ever felt the love of God rather than just you know the the presence of religion and some rule following. So it's it's miraculous. I'll I'll my my son my 11-year-old son um led me to the Lord. My 13-year-old son led me to ministry because he demanded that I teach him the Bible. And <laughs> so he good. did. Catherine, I knew nothing. Oh I knew nothing. I had I had to listen to other people's sermons and just copy them on a Monday so I could teach them to him on a Wednesday and and appear as though I looked like I knew what I was talking about. Wow. And I didn't. Wow. <laughs> I had no idea. Within all the babes. I mean, that is power, man. What God will not do to pursue his kids, right? It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, my sons are 26 and 28 now, and uh, they both serve in our ministry. Um, they all of our live stream. We have a tremendous live stream set up, and my sons um, are continually redesigning it and making it better, and, and and recruiting a larger team for that. But both of them are involved in our AV ministry now. But um, he he forced me into ministry. Within three months, my two sons had 35 teenagers in my living room every Wednesday night just to hear the Bible. Wow! And we we have never strategized to get from there to here, but now we have uh, an international school. We have 110 students in in four countries. Uh, we have a thriving local church, the the best church that I've ever ever seen in my life, and it's because they all carry the culture of heaven. And uh, we just we ran our podcasts, and and you'll appreciate this. Um, we ran our podcast numbers last month. And we are being listened to right now in 2,900 cities and 90 nations. Thank you, Jesus. It's unreal. So that's um, that's where we are now. Um, my wife is the most remarkable woman I've ever seen uh, across the face of the planet. Um, my sons are two men of integrity. They married beautiful women, and they gave me four gorgeous granddaughters. Um, so that's that's where we are now, and I feel like we're just getting started. Wow, that is that is a story. I I love the way God accosted you through your kids. It's just <laughs> it's so perfect. <laughs>
uh, and your beautiful powerhouse wife. That's so good. So, wow. So now you, you were talking to me, you kind of have a series going on of unveiled right now, and it's kind of a hot button for me. So I thought maybe we could start there. You've got multiple projects going on, including a brand new book that we will definitely get to. Um, so in this unveiling process, uh, what is being unveiled? Who is being unveiled? What's going on with this unveiling? I love it. Miss Catherine, thank you for asking that too. Um, we've spent eight weeks um, saying the things that people weren't ready to hear for the last eight years. And predominantly, that's that's removing deception from who you are, mm -hmm. removing the deceptions that surrounds who God is, and then removing the deception around the actual authentic gospel. And all three of those things, um, if if there's any deception involved, it, it has the character of leaven. It ruins the entire thing. Mm -hmm. And we, we've been taught for so long that, that our behaviors define who we are. I mean, if you grew up in, in any Western denomination, whether it was fully legalistic or it was, um, we call it unconditionally conditional, it's it's just there's there's just the sub subversive understanding that you're accepted as long as you know mm -hmm. um but what what the bible teaches is that if you clearly see god mm -hmm. that is the only time that you can clearly see yourself thank you yes yes um the the, the thing that we keep revisiting is first john uh, it's in three, and I think it's verse two. It says that we are sons of God now, but it hasn't been revealed what we will be. Mm -hmm. but, but we know when he's revealed, we'll see ourselves. And what I love about that passage, and, and one of the things that I'm passionate about, is just responsibly approaching scripture without presumption. You know, that you you can't put your your grandpappy's preaching on top of scripture and expect it to work. It's a it's an ever-increasing revelation and it's and it's ever unfolding. And what I love about that is John proved it. John, John is the first revelatory teacher of the New Testament. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, and Luke recorded a historical journey that they took with Jesus, and it's a beautiful record. John starts his letter with revelatory information. In the beginning was the word, right? And then he he included us in the beginning. Nothing was made that wasn't made out of that fabric. Like it said in Deuteronomy, um, look to the rock from which you were hewn. Like you have to know your origin before you ever understand who you are. Yes. That's good. But, <clears throat> and then and then in John's ever-increasing revelation, this is what I love about it. And I, if, if I wrote you a letter, Miss Catherine, and I said, Catherine, listen, like, we are sons of God right now, mm -hmm. but I know that we're not done. Mm -hmm. But when we see him, mm -hmm. we will see us. And then, and then two years later, you get a letter from me, and it's marked on top. I'm going to cry. My goodness. The revelation of Jesus Christ. And I'm like, Catherine, I saw him. I saw him. I was taken up. An angel introduced me to what I was talking about in my last letter. I saw him. I saw his eyes like fire. I saw his hair like wool. I saw his feet like bronze. I saw him. So I was able to see me. 
in his own letter, 1 John 3, he said, as he is, so are we. And then he finally got to see him as the resurrected Christ. So he is the first person to author the authentic, unveiled version of humanity. Wow. Wow. It's beautiful. It so, is <clears throat> so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I mean, we cannot we cannot see ourselves until we see him and then we see ourselves in his image, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah, and he he strips off all these veils from our minds, but also the veils of how we're operating from so that we're fully manifested sons and daughters of God that release creation from this bondage. It is so powerful. I love that. And John as his, and it's, it's really amazing because we get to see John on this journey until, whoa, we get the re revelation of Christ and then we get the so revelation good. of us. Wow. Yeah. So in my favorite part of Revelation is there there were two moments when when John fell down as dead. Mm -hmm. He saw the unveiled Christ and fell down as dead. Mm -hmm. And then the angel said, come, come here. I've got something else to show you. Right. Wow. I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he fell down again. She's equally as glorious. He's not. <laughs> he's not unequally yoked. The one that he's married to is everything that he is and nothing that he's not. Um, I have a, a, a dear friend that wrote a book called Apprehended Identity. His name is Chris Gore. And yes, in that I know book, him, but I don't not familiar with the book. Oh, Chris is amazing. Um, he has a I actually wrote a chapter in that book. Um Chris says that that Christ is not the window that you look through to see the father christ is the mirror that you look into to see yourself and that's that's a paraphrase of second corinthians chapter three we behold the glory of god in a mirror oh it's good it's so 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 beautiful i don't know how you can you can misrepresent this information and feel good about it you know yeah <laughs> i i th i think because i think people kind of chickened out it's like we're 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 so afraid it's like no no we couldn't possibly be all that and yeah. then we're kind of accusing god of doing a crappy job with his kids and with his bride i love it yeah yeah, yeah. i i told our folks last sunday i said god did not come to change the facts he came to reveal the truth that's that that romans 8 language the manifestation of the sons of god the manifestation isn't a transformation it's literally just the revealing of what's already there it's an unveiling and and i don't i don't know if this would be a good thing for us to talk about but the the western gospel is the number one um i would say opponent to the manifestation of the sons of god the the western gospel actually keeps people in bondage it causes separation mm -hmm. rather than brings revelation of union well it starts from separation and then it we're trying does. to cross the chasm that is just in our mind right so the alienation in our mind we're trying to cross and we're trying to do it by our own efforts and our, if you start from a faulty premise you're going to come to a faulty conclusion and that's the bondage the fruit of bondage because we've started from we've started from separation versus from the one that we're already one with before the foundation of the world if you start with a faulty premise mm -hmm. you'll come to a faulty conclusion okay mm -hmm. i will give you credit for that the first three times that i preach it Okay. <laughs> and then that's, just run with it like yeah just run with that's, it 
You don't Beautiful. need to give me credit. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, so ha- have you uh, taken time to discuss or, or, uh, or study atonement theory? Uh, the- I have. I'm, I, I mean, absolutely. It is honestly, it's hellish really. You know, the, the penal substitution atonement theory. Let me make sure that version of it. It so, is. But feel free to cut loose just with whatever's on your heart because we need it. We need healing from this false gospel that well, imprisons <clears throat> his kids. One, one of our most gifted fivefold leaders at Legacy. Um, his name's Neil. He's he's the leader of our intercessory team and uh, he's a prophet. He said that he was delivered. He had to be delivered from penal substitutionary atonement. God. And it's it's amazing how often you need delivered from bad doctrine. There's, there was a, a, a father of the faith named David Roberson in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and he wrote a, uh, a teaching letter called um, the, the Satan's War Machine, I think is what it was called. Yeah. But what he did is he, he showed that there's a five-tier structure in in the local church apostles prophets pastors teachers and evangelists and then it is it's not it's it's a it, it's a it's a powers and principality structure that opposes that wow and for every authentic operation there's a counterfeit operation powers principalities mights dominions and rulers in high places and rulers in high places oppose the apostolic and the the apostolic is supposed to create culture and and establish truth mm-hmm. so Rulers in high places are doing the exact same thing. But while we believe that they are busy doing dark things, they're not busy doing dark things. They're doing religious things. Their religion is the enemy of union. Yes. <laughs> it's the enemy of union. The, the first place that the serpent showed up was with a message that says, if you do this, you'll become that. As if you eat of this tree. Yeah. If you eat of this tree, you will become like God. He told something that already was that it needed to strive to become. And that started the cycle of sin and death. So mm-hmm. if, if we preach messages according to penal substitutionary atonement, look what you did to this poor guy. Mm-hmm. You know, you were so bad that God had to kill his own son. There's no way that you can't lay the, the guilt of the death of the creator of the universe on your own shoulders. If you weren't separate to start with, you are separate after that. Wow. 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 Truly. And that, and I'm scary because that's the starting point of this false gospel, yeah. right? That is not good news. No. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. The the way the way that he puts it in John, he says, when when the the Holy Spirit comes, he'll lead you into all truth. Mm-hmm. And he parallels that in John fourteen by saying, when the Holy Spirit comes, he'll let you know that I'm in the Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. Yeah. He comes to reveal the truth, not change the facts. He's just coming to let you know that you are never separate. All separation is an illusion, and in any rhetoric, teaching, preaching that starts from separation is going to end that way. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, Miss Catherine. I'm, I'm, it's so life-giving to have this chat with you about it, too. Yeah, it is such a beautiful thing. And this is so, oh my goodness, so amazing. I, I just feel, it's almost, it's sweet because I can feel like, like hanging over it. It's just because it's sweet, it's sweet, and it frees people. Right. Freeze people, which yeah. is beautiful. Just beautiful. Wow. Our our school is uh 
our in-person students um, are over half uh, Anabaptist, which would be Amish or Mennonite. Mm. And the freedom that you see in that community is just unbelievable. And and they're so passionate. Once once they find truth and union, they go for it. Um, all of the same fervor and zeal that they put into their their culture, which is a beautiful culture. Um, we live right near it. Um, but all that same fervor and zeal that they put into that culture is the same fervor and zeal that they put into freedom. And it is one of the most beautiful things to witness, to watch people that have lit like the most strict legalistic guidelines you can imagine down down to a phone in their house or lights on their their horse and buggy. Wow. Um, just realizing that God was in them, with them, in him. He, they move, live and have their being and vice versa. It's it's the most beautiful thing to see. And that's transformed lives. I and mean, that's just, wow, beautiful. Wow. Yeah. Now, you do also have an online school as well, correct? Or is it all in person? So our school um, <clears throat> is seven years old, and this is the first year that we have offered um, our school online. Nice. And we have, I think, 110 students, and a little over half of them are online. And um, we've got, I think, most recently, it takes about 22 people to make the school happen. And a lot of those people are interfacing with the online students via Zoom and having uh, class discussions. Um, it's a two-year school, though. So these people, um, they opted in in January, and they're in for the long haul. So it's it's been remarkable they're going through covenant theology right now they'll go through soteriology and atonement theory next and it's all from the place of union and love wow that's so beautiful so what other things do you want to bring out with the unveiling unveiling of god unveiling of us unveiling of the gospel just what's on your heart with this sure so so i've been um teaching a lot on on atonement theory mm -hmm. and I can't think of anywhere that I've ever gone in, in a Western denominational church mm -hmm. and not heard penal substitution. And the, the way that we would define penal substitution, because most of you, maybe that's all you've ever heard, mm -hmm. is that God is just. Mm -hmm. And because he's just, mm -hmm. he has to punish disobedience. Mm -hmm. And rather than punishing you for being disobedient, he kills his son instead. And that is the, the crux of penal substitutionary atonement. And what I think, I think some of the things that are just worth bringing up is, is that kind of began with Luther in the 1500s. I mean, there, there were traces of it a little bit before that, but when it became a, um, a, a finite staple of the Western doctrine, it came from Luther. It's a 500-year-old theory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and if you, um, we I'm I'm sure you understand how this um, how, how this comes about. But being being a young guy that's kind of carrying a forerunning message, I always get accused of making things up or um, this newfangled gospel or whatever it might be. So the the evidence that that we've used obviously is is scripture. You can't find penal substitutionary atonement in scripture. But um, John himself trained Polycarp. Polycarp trained Irenaeus, Irenaeus, um, Gregory of Nyssa, Gregory the Great, and um, Athanasius. The, the, the answers that those guys had to questions that Westerners wouldn't have been able to answer. Um, Athanasius, when, when he was asked what the gospel was, he said, God became men so men could become God. Mm -hmm. It was that simple. Ir Irenaeus says the gospel is the bestowal of incorruptibility on humanity. And this 
this gospel of separation and illusion and guilt and shame that it wasn't heard of. It wasn't heard of in, in Jesus's own disciples, nor Jesus's disciples' disciples. And I think what they've, the coin um, that they've, or the, the terminology that they've coined is, is Christus Victor atonement, um, which, which is a, a better, more holistic view. But rather than thinking that the atonement was an issue of God's anger and it lasted three and a half days, Mm-hmm. The atonement lasted the entire incarnation of Jesus. Wow. And and there's just little things that you have to be responsible to pick out. Like, did Jesus die for your sins? And, and if you answer this question, like, truthfully, in front of most people, they're going to get really mad at you. Mm-hmm. Um, the answer is no. He died as your sin. Yeah, that's right. He became sin. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. And... Um, one of my favorite things that that Irenaeus said is that that the cross did not forgive sin. Jesus forgave sin. It's an attribute of his nature. He literally said, to prove to you that I'm all it takes to forgive sin, your sins are forgiven you. Wow. Oh, it's remarkable. Um, my my favorite piece, and and again, I can get passionate about this and long winded. So just wave your hands in there if I'm, I'm no, I, I'm doing it because hallelujah, yeah. <laughs> don't, please don't stop. <laughs> so, yeah. so the the incarnation of Jesus is what they valued as the atonement, not just the death, burial, and resurrection. They would have said the death, burial, and resurrection was the capstone mm-hmm. of of the atonement because the final enemy to be defeated was death. So he needed to face death as a human and overcome it as a human to prove that it no longer had dominion over us. But his birth was an atoning birth because our deception Mm -hmm. came from Adam. It came from being born in a lineage. That's that's the, 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 the stumping question for religious people. It's like, why do you think God wants to punish you? because of the bad things that I did. I can't find that in scripture. He wants to punish you because of Adam. I mean, if you think he wants to punish you. Right, right, right. You're literally be professing yourself guilty because of something a guy 6,000 years ago did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're not willing to pronounce yourself righteous because of something a man 2,000 years ago did. As they have so, mu- mm-hmm. so much more faith in Adam. But yeah. Christ's, Christ's atoning birth. He, he, he set himself free from the Adamic lineage by being born of the spirit, begotten of the father. And then he overcame your deception. The way that we define it in our school is he gained mm-hmm. everything that you lost through deception. Wow. And he lost everything that you gained through deception wow. and then gave you an unveiled picture of yourself. Wow. Wow. That is good to chew on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So fun. Yeah. So, so fun. I love that. His birth, his life, all part of the atonement and the capstone in the death, burial, and resurrection. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They they asked um, Irenaeus um, what the significance of the death of Jesus was. And uh, he said, it's the prelude to the resurrection, meaning he didn't find the value in it. Not that it wasn't important. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't the point. Right. The point was that a human no longer had to be subject to death. Wow. It was the prelude to the resurrection. Wow. Wow. That's gorgeous. Whew. Yeah. Awesome. Well, what else do you want to share in the unveiling? Or we can 
move on to something else. I know this is a hot button, so this is good. It is. It's been so much fun. Um, he, I'm, I'm, I'm studying Hebrews chapter four. I've been in it for the last four hours before I jumped on here with you. Oh, nice. And uh, I just had a, a, a chat with one of our leaders this morning um, about Hebrews chapter four, where it says, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the, the only reason that I bring this up is, is my, my wife actually taught me this. She said, anytime that you find a contradiction between scripture and God's nature, you have to investigate. Yes, absolutely. It's you an have to investigate. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. um, contradiction is the birthplace of revelation. So I, I found myself, I'm a guitar player. I mean, I think you can see them back here. Yeah. And, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's, there's enough. Um, when, when I play guitar, I, I always use my pinky to roll off the volume and tone knobs. And what I didn't realize, I was just trying to make it pleasing to me. It was, it was completely unconscious. Um, so I realized that when I'm, I'm reading the Bible, I'm trying to make it pleasing to me. Mm -hmm. And, and I know that sounds selfish, but there are things that I'll speed through because it doesn't make sense. And so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest is something that for the last 10 years I've sped through because it was, it didn't feel like my father. Right, right. It doesn't look like you. Yeah. This is not the God. Yeah. No, right. Yes. 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 If, if I'm uncomfortable saying it, then I know my father's a better lover than I am. Um, so that, that passage, the way that it's, the way that it's translated is poor, but it's actually a quote of Psalm 95, 11, where it says, oh, that they would enter my rest. Like it's, it's the exact opposite. Wow. It's a, it's a quote in the Hebrew language. So in my wrath meant an expression. It's from the, the Hebrew word orge, which means uh, an expression of passion. In my passion, I said, oh, that they would enter my rest. Can you imagine how much different our approach to the father would be if we didn't think that he was swearing in his wrath that we couldn't come fellowship with him, but rather crying out, crying out in his passion, that's all he wanted for us to be reconciled back into himself. And and rest in that because he's love, he's safe. That's when you can rest. When you know you're so adored in the, whatever you add in your ugly parts, your beautiful parts, whatever's been manifested, whatever's not. Um, and you're adored in that so wow and utterly accepted so that i can rest now amen so good it said it said that those who have entered his rest mm -hmm. do cease from their own striving as he did from his yeah wow beautiful yeah it, you know this is such a hot button for me because uh coming from my brokenness and everything like that, I was triple A, you know, do, do, do. I was born behind, you know? So, uh, and just kind of in, in my personality that was hijacked. Um, and so I remember crying out to the Lord because I was trying to get this rest thing. And, you know, a couple of things happened. One, uh, uh, I had a, a prophetess who was very unusual, but she came and basically said, Catherine, I, I really feel the Lord's just having you for 45 minutes a day, just sit and do nothing, but just listen to worship music, whatever. And, and I, I knew it was God. So I, I obeyed, right. Whatever, but it was hell because everything <laughs> would start to come up like, and, but I would, I, I was going to do it. Um, and all this stuff that I needed to deal with that I didn't want to deal with. So I was 
in my busyness medicating, right? So that would come up and all of that. And and so the Lord had to walk me through. And I remember reading Hebrews 4 and I'm like, oh God, I like, I'm dumber than a rock. I cannot get, I'm not getting this help me get this. And mm-hmm. what the Lord said, which was so amazing. He said to me, Catherine, you're so adorable when you're clueless. <laughs> oh, wow. And stripped me from all this, like, I am so, cl- but I'm adored in my cluelessness. And eventually I'll get it. But if you're not adored there, if you're not loved where you're dumber than a rock, if you're not <laughs> adored in when you're in the gentleman's club or whatever, you're just not adored. You're not loved. It's, 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 it's love, but which is not love. That's and right. it's stripped off so much. And so as he was teaching me not to strive, that his passion is that, baby, just rest. It's okay. Mm. You're okay. We're all we're good. You're amazing. You're gorgeous. You're just like me. You're perfect. All of that. And in just the process of that, it's so healing. And so I find myself when I'm starting to slide into the the strive mode. I mean, I, I get rebellious against it. I'm like, Help. I'm not doing it till I can do it from rest because I've forgotten how adored I am. I've forgotten who I am. I've forgotten the one I who loves me and made mis- the mission somehow more important than this relationship. Mm. And then just pull yourself back practically in that place. And okay, now we're good to do. And the very thing from the position of rest, from union, from acceptance, from love, from being enough from all of that, where yeah. performance is a side issue, a byproduct, not the point that makes you valuable. Yeah. yeah. I, I had a moment eight years ago. So when when we came to Christ, I, I came into blended covenant legalism. Yeah. I, I met Christ. I knew he loved me. Mm-hmm. But the understanding that I gained early was, was understanding that brought me into legalism. And it was my my duty to perform well. And that that did what it does and brought me to the end of myself. I was ready to quit ministry. I was still going to love God, but I just, I couldn't do the performance thing. Right. And I'm, I met with a guy in Applebee's in New Philadelphia, and he had went through the same thing. This guy visits 118 countries a year, um, multiple uh, recorded dead raisings, just first class, high integrity guy. And you would, you would think that um he he had it all together you know he just doesn't look like the kind of guy that struggles the way i struggle you know faith is solid got you know got his his act together and i told him a story about when i went into a hospital to pray for a young man with spinal meningitis the family told me he had two weeks to live and so i went in um with two weeks to live i laid hands on him and he died before i left so so I I didn't heal him. As a matter of fact, it looked like I stole the last two weeks that he had. So I was done. I was like, if if you're not gonna back me up, God, like I'm I'm out. So it was it was that evening that I met this guy. He's from Dallas. His name's Guy Pay. And that night he told me the story, a story about the same exact thing that happened to him, only he was in Brazil and he quit too. And God spoke to him and he said, If if you truly are resting in me for these dead raisings then why are you taking credit for the for people that don't get up wow and he's he said i realized at that time i was doing this all in my own strength and so i i didn't understand where he was going yet i said okay like that sounds good but what'd you do he said i became a son 
since it was, yeah. right. and, wow. and at that moment, God spoke to me, the, the governing statement of my life. This is, I, I don't go a day without thinking of this for the last eight years. Slaves have pressure. Sons have favor, and I am I am able to use that as the litmus test to the 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 system that I'm living in, mm. um, at all times. If if I'm feeling the pressure of striving, I need to stop. Mm -hmm. My my senses, according to Hebrews, are discerned yeah. to recognize labor, mm -hmm. and so I should be able to say when I'm not functioning out of a place of rest and identity, and I'm striving for something that I already am. And that's, that's, that's why people die. Like that, that is the cycle of sin and death. Wow. Wow. Struggling for who they already are, but they're struggling and it's the cycle of it's religious performance, right? It yields death. Wow. Every wow. Wow. Every time. Wow. Wow. Operating from rest or operating from favor. What a, what a great listmas test. Where am I? What was, how are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> Not that it's your performance, but it's God's orge, his passion for Amen. us to enter that rest. Wow. As sons and daughters. I mean, which one of our kids would say, no, you're not enough. You need to strive to be my son, my daughter. I mean, no. it's insane how we, what, what, what we've superimposed on God. He just yeah. wants to love us. Right. So, yeah. Wow. It's sim simple subtleties that Westerners have put in their gospel mm -hmm. when and they haven't taken the time or responsibility to figure out that that culture and um, adoption, for instance, mm -hmm. um, we understand adoption where I'm from uh, because we have we have an orphan issue. We have a homelessness issue. Yes. And, and if you think for all of 45 seconds about any instance where a Jewish family would have an opportunity to adopt, you'd realize that Jewish adoption is not like our adoption. But if you think Western adoption is when God takes in these, these unwanted stepkids and is just nice enough to take care of them, yeah. then again, you'll start with separation. You'll never be the real thing. You know, that's, that's the orphan spirit. Ad adoption in the Jewish culture is when a father adopts his own son. Wow. It's it's called the, the Hoyo ceremony, uh, the, the the maturity ceremony. So he he's already his biological kid. Mm -hmm. And then his adoption, according to the Jewish um wow. Jewish custom, is when he puts him in charge of all of his things. Sounds so, a little familiar. <laughs> so yeah, go it, ahead. Wow. It does, but but I mean, we just have to be responsible. If if we know that we've been brought up in a culture that's not like the East, that's not like the Jews, then we have to make sure that we're not interpreting their systems through our lens. Uh, I mean, think think of the the dignity that was required of any Jewish family. Like the father had to have money. The the mother had had a significant role in the raising of her family and the keeping of property. Um, she was the Proverbs thirty one woman. It was literally written about a Jewish woman, and these kids had extensive education requirements. Like these families were put together. I promise there were no Jewish adoption agencies for unwanted kids. Wow. And if there were an orphan, there was a next of kin clause in every family. Nobody needed adopted in the way that we think they need wow. adopted. Wow. So it you you never started outside of the family. And this this really good dad was good enough to bring you redheaded stepchildren into this house. 
You were already his. He just wants to put you in charge. Wow. It's so much better. Oh my goodness. And it starts from the place of oneness you're already in, you know, you were home before you ever left. Right. We've heard. Oh. So yeah. Wow. Home before you left. I'm stealing that one too. I, I didn't come up with it though, but I'm, I'm not sure who to give credit for it. Cause I probably already ran out, ran off with it, but, <laughs> but that's true. But it is, we, we were home before we ever left. And, um, and that's the longing. You see mm. this longing of, you, you just want to be home and we understand, you know, it's not the fullness manifested yet and all of that, but we are home is already here. It's already inside. You're already one. Uh, you know, you're already one with your dad or your elder brother, your, you know, Holy Spirit, uh, mothering heart of God, all of that. We're already one with it. And, and, and he didn't ask our choice or our opinion, just like a natural birth and say, do, do you vote? No, I vote yeah. for you. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to choose back, do that. Yeah. But amazing. wow, that's amazing. Oh my goodness. I had, I'd never heard of that adoption um, uh, from a Jewish perspective. Uh, that's, that's breathtaking. That's gorgeous. It's remarkable. It's yeah. remarkable. It just, just takes a little bit of thought and a little responsibility to realize that God's good. Right. Well, and it was so crazy is that we, we say he's good, but then we have all these yeah, buts inside, you know, we have all these and, and, and taught by doctrine, you know, he's good, but he's love, but, you know, and we're not understanding his, 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 his justice, his, his wrath, his judgment as for us, but we, we, we start from the separation. We think that it's against us. And so we we're afraid of the one that's perfect love. And that is really rather insane. It's <laughs> help with our insanity. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. West Western religion does not solve the problem of sin and death. It causes it. Wow. It causes the problem of sin and death. Wow. Wow. Now you have written a book, Deathless, which is breathtaking and a great challenge, which we need. We absolutely need that. Um, anything you want to say on that? I know we're kind of running low on time and I do want to save time for your newest book. So oh, thank you. Um, I want, I want to serve your folks. Well, um, deathless is, is a book that gets you to rethink the consequence of, of union. And the consequence of union is that you're everything he is and nothing that he's not. So when the, the, the most clear picture of the gospel um, is in a letter that Paul writes to Timothy, and he says that that Jesus came to unveil that which was before the foundation of the world, and it was life and immortality through the gospel. So it's it's a quality and a quantity component of the good news. So Zoe is life, which literally means the character and attributes, the quality of life belonging to the resurrected Christ. And the aftharsha, which is the Greek word for immortality, which is the body of a man exempt from decay, is the good news. Life and immortality is the good news. So th what that looks like practically and what this book spells out is you and I have been placed into an ever-increasing kingdom. Mm -hmm. So every component of our life should be keeping pace with the ever-increasing, ever-revealing kingdom. 
If there's areas of your life that are not, then they are under the bondage of sin and death. Death is the Greek word apothnesko, which means decay. It just means it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. And Hebrew says that we were all held in bondage through the fear of death. So our bondage was simply that we won't have it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Nearly everything you do, if you strive, you're afraid that you're not going to have God's favor tomorrow. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you work, you're afraid that you're not going to have money tomorrow. You know, everything has to do with your fear of decay. Mm -hmm. So the gospel is that you would have the life that belongs to the resurrected Christ forever. And not, not just forever. It would always be better the next day than it is this one. Incredible. So um, the, the, the concept of the gospel uh, relating itself mainly to where you spend eternity was platonic. It, it actually came from Greek philosophy. The, the gospel was supposed to reveal life and immortality now, giving life to your mortal body through the spirit. Mm -hmm. um, so that that book is, is wildly practical, super applicable um, into just how to step into ever-increasing life. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it is, just get it. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Where now is are, are your books available on Amazon or where where would you have people go? Yep, all three of them, uh, Deathless, Transfigured, mm -hmm. and Revelator are all on Amazon, um, all available. And, and Revelator actually has a workbook with it, and we're going we're we're creating workbooks that through with the other two, um, but it's just super simple to to reconcile these things to your conscience when the right questions are being asked. So um, those are super helpful. So tell us about your newest. I mean, it just came out. So it's super exciting. Revelator. Yeah. Revelator's done really well. Um, it it hit top number one in five of the six categories that it was listed in. So it's, uh, it's being favor, really well received. Favor of the sun. It's that thing. It's favor. <laughs> okay. it's, it's yes. Purely favor. Um, so the the three main things that this does is qualifies you as a revelatory person. Um, John 10 simply says, my sheep hear my voice. Mm -hmm. So so if we've relegated the prophetic gifting and the prophetic office mm -hmm. to special people, then we're missing out on what God calls us to do himself. Mm -hmm. um, the second thing that it does is it establishes a model for prophetic community. And this this might be the most important piece of this book. That's huge. Uh, mm -hmm. There... There, there was an exchange between Jesus and Peter that everybody's familiar with because of how Peter responded to Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, who, do, who do you say that I am? I believe that you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, right? Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. Mm -hmm. That's the side of the conversation that we believe is the rock that he'll build his church on. But that's not the rock that he'll build his church on. That's half of the rock that he'll build his church on. The other half is, and I say to you, you are Peter. It was the ability for humanity to discern Christ, Christ to discern humanity, and humanity to spiritually discern one another. It's, it's beautiful. And, and honestly, if you come visit Legacy, people people are driving from all over the country to visit Legacy. And it's and it's not because of what they hear on YouTube. It's because of what they experience when they walk in our doors. Wow. They experience heaven on earth because humanity regards one another as divinity in our culture. Beautiful. It's, it's the reason we are who we are. And like 2 Corinthians 5 says, we regard no one according to the flesh. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If he died then he died for everybody. Mm -hmm. He died as everyone. Mm -hmm. 
Therefore, we knew Christ according to the flesh. That's not how we know him now. Mm -hmm. So we regard them as we regard him. Amazing. And, and that's the rock that Hades can't prevail against. Hades can only prevail against a church that is sensually discerning one another according to behaviors or demographic or whatever it might be. Um, so establishing prophetic communities just, just means that, you know, Catherine Toon asks me, who do you say that I am? And I, everything he is and nothing that he's not. And, and none of your history or behavior or intellect or none of those things can change that definition. The, those things are apart from the print and the print is what gets to govern our reality. Um, the, the third thing that that book does, Miss Catherine, is it makes a stark contrast between old covenant prophecy and new covenant prophecy. Mm. Um, I've said this, I think on four podcasts in the last week wow. and, and, and this it's, it's, it's really near, near to my heart. And here's why. The system of the old covenant prophet expired at John the Baptist. Jesus said that the, the law and the prophets prophesied until John, then it's over. Mm -hmm. Everything about that office ceased to exist. Mm -hmm. John the Baptist had a, 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 an inner Testament office where he got to point out the Messiah, but then his office was over too. Yeah. He was greater than all of the old covenant prophets, but the least in the kingdom is greater than the one that got to say he's here. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, our office has the ability to reach into a pattern that's been revealed and speak it into existence as, as revelation and its partnership with our identity and authority gives it permission to manifest. Wow. And here's why that's important. In the old covenant, if a prophet spoke, they waited to see if it was true. And if it wasn't, they killed him. Excellent. Mm -hmm. In the new covenant, it says, if you honor the prophet in the name of the prophet, you'll receive the prophet's reward. Mm -hmm. Wow. So the burden of manifestation is no longer on the revelator. It's on the hearer. So if, yeah. if we don't realize that if we continue to honor prophets that speak doom, gloom, and conspiracy, yes, we will empower doom, gloom, and conspiracy. Yeah. Wow. I've, I've told people, stop supporting them. Stop writing them checks stop pumping up their youtube likes like stop it's it's a counterfeit operation and it's no longer permitted to function in this covenant wow and that's so true and 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 what's really sad about that is these are sons and daughters who have lost lost their way because they're still relating to themselves from this place of separation from this place of from judgment i just not they're not knowing their father and they're not and because of that they're not knowing who they are as and speaking from that place of that's that's that 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 yields the fruit of doom bloom cinemas. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's wow. That's so amazing. So needed. And I and and there have been so many prophetic abuses that it turns people off from the prophetic um just in general. And that's just that's a gift that we need. It was oh, so needed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well thank absolutely. you. That gorgeous that is gorgeous and i love that you know uh, christ christ showed showed himself when 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 uh, peter had the revelation of who christ was then christ showed peter to peter right and isn't yes. that we, we're seeing god correctly he shows us to us and then mm. we get to operate from that place that's 
gorgeous. That's gorgeous. Wow. So again, all these things at Amazon, where do they find you if they want to connect with you, uh, want to purchase your products, all those things? Sure. So I, I have a link tree that I'll make sure that you get, but finding me on Facebook is probably the easiest thing to do. My link tree is there as well. Um, we have uh, our school, which will be receiving new students again next January, which is a long time from now, but um, I promise it's worth the wait. Um, my, my books are there. I have two online courses, one for Deathless and one for Transfigured. Um, and actually another for Pharisectomy, which was a, uh, a covenant theology class that I did <laughs> a long Your time girl. ago. Oh my God, I love it. It was very good. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, what what we tell people um, is is we just want to resource the the new creation movement. We we have like we're right now our ministry is everything that I'd ever prayed to become. We we have real estate, we have resources, we have the the family that we're we're working with, and um, if if we can be a support or a resource to people that are doing this kind of thing in their region, we're all for it. We're all for it. Oh my goodness! Well, Tommy, this has been. Ah, I, I don't have words. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Ms. you. Catherine, it's an absolute honor. Thank you so, so much. Oh, wonderful. Well, everyone, uh, make sure you connect with Tommy, um, get his resources, plan to sign up next January if you haven't signed up so far, certainly buy his books and the workbooks that are coming out that are so great that make it so applicable uh, that you're just uh, applying it to yourself. and. Uh, follow him on YouTube and all the different stuff that he's doing. It's been a joy. It's really been a joy. And I'm I'm grateful. Thank you. It's an honor, Miss Catherine. Thank you. Wonderful. All right, everybody. Make sure you share this. Somebody needs this. We love you guys. Thanks again, Tommy. Bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit CatherineToon.com.